welcome in to a, another edition of the Podcast. I'm Zach Lancaster, joined just about as always with the young Marshall Levinson. What's going on, Marshall? Nothing much. Just kind of going with the, uh, the past two hours, some crazy stuff in college football, and also yeah. just kind of riding along the past few days. I've been in Stillwater for the past few days. Um, pretty much other than tomorrow, well, I'll head back to Dallas for a day. I'm uh, back in Stillwater for for good for school. Yeah, it's uh, it's starting to be that time. You know, kids are kids are starting to move back in August one. You know, the rents start back up and leases and and town starts to get crazy. But with August first, uh, we obviously get the start of Oklahoma State fall camp, um, and that's that's what we've been waiting for. We we've had a uh, a relatively slow summer. I mean, it hasn't been. It hasn't been dead by any means, but but on the Oklahoma State front, nothing massive to come out, um, which is always good, I guess, and bad if you're looking for content, which we always are. Uh, we're a week removed from Big 12 Media Days. Um, I, I think I learned more than I expected to going into Big 12 Media Days. Now, I, I, nothing earth-shattering, groundbreaking, but I feel like I learned more than I expected to. Um, it is now 526 on Wednesday, July 21st, so we are a few hours removed uh, from the news dropping from the Houston Chronicle about OU and Texas reportedly reaching out uh, to join uh, the SEC. Now Texas comes out, and they didn't have a statement, and, and OU is, is set to release one sometime, I would think, in the next hour or so. Um, OSU released a statement on, uh, on it, and, and I, think that, I, think it's, I think it's smart. Uh, that Oklahoma State releases a statement. I think it's I think it's a good one. Uh, we have heard unconfirmed reports that OU and Texas approached the SEC officials about joining the SEC. We are gathering information and will monitor closely. If true, we would be gravely disappointed. While we place a premium on history, loyalty, and trust, be assured we will aggressively defend and advance what is best for Oklahoma State and our strong athletic program, which continues to excel in the Big 12 and nationally. Um it's it is important obviously i mean you can take uh really any time period between may 15th and august 1st um and and insert conference realignment you know expansion talk whatever um this would be big i think if this is true you know depending on what ou has to say and um depending on if this comes out to be true or not i i think this could be this would be huge because we're not just talking football here um, we'd obviously be talking about every other sport across the uh, across the region, um, basketball, baseball, um, you know, softball. That's that's another interesting one. Um, I, I think it's interesting when you look at the SEC. Obviously, you know, Kirk Bowles, the Austin American statements saying that A and M and Missouri would be very hard nose. Duh. A&M wants to be the only Texas school in the SEC, but if you also look at it, it's probably two guaranteed losses if they have to play Texas and OU. Um, and then you would need only two more SEC schools to come out and say no and to block it. Um, and, and rest assured, Oklahoma State would be very against OU and Texas leaving the Big 12, um, especially without them. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that, that OSU would, would fight it out of jealousy, but that would be, that would be a big blow. To Oklahoma State, and I'd be curious to see. Now, the, the, there's a lot of talk out there that, that legislative uh, moves in Oklahoma would prevent um, OU from moving. Now, there would there would be politicians, I think, that would be against it um, because what's good for OU is what's good for OSU, and vice versa. They, you know, one hand washes the other. Um, but legally, there would be no no binds. To, yeah, I to, mean, to keep OU right here. now, it says that the only thing that it says that the governor has the power to determine if one school, like in this situation, if OU were trying to go to the SEC, mm-hmm. the governor could rule that that would negatively impact Oklahoma State mm-hmm. and advise against it. But there is no like official, right. like legal thing that says that if one goes, they both have to go, or like vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, could this happen? Absolutely. Which yeah. then the Big Twelve drops down to eight schools. So then you're talking about, and there's tons of options that you could go. You could go. Okay, well, does Oklahoma State stay in the Big Twelve, and then they add teams, or does Oklahoma State also look to move conferences? Not saying they're going to the SEC, right. but whether they could move over to the 
Big Ten. Yeah. Does Iowa State and Oklahoma State go to the Big Ten? Do they hop over to the Pac-12? Or do they say, we're going to stick in the Big 12 and, hey, Boise State and Cincinnati or UCF, how does the Big 12 invite sound? So stuff like that. There's tons of storylines that, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you've, it, like you said, it's 5.30. This came around around like 3.30 right right, right maybe. around 3 o'clock. So 3 o'clock, 3.30. So we're at two, two and a half hours. I'm sure everyone has already seen every possible storyline and like direction this could go, which obviously we know next to nothing other than the fact that there has been talks about them moving. Now, whether they SEC wants that or whether the Big 12 is going to try to tell them, like, hey, we want you to stay, no one knows. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be crazy. It said that – I saw a report earlier that said that the SEC would have a announcement within the next – couple of weeks on something about that has to do with them joining the SEC or potentially joining the SEC. Mm -hmm. So it'll be a while until we know, but until then, you're going to see, like, literally everything, and you're going to see all sorts, well, sources tell me this, and sources tell me that, and, like, probably, like, none of it's going to be true. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's where it gets interesting, because you look at Oklahoma State, let's say it's true, right, um, and Oklahoma State doesn't go to the SEC. Let's say OU and Texas do, and Oklahoma State yes. is, is left behind. What's interesting is if you're the Big 12, you're you are going to try to do absolutely everything you can to keep OSU. Oh yeah. Because well because o I mean outside of those two, Oklahoma State and, just and from a quickly growing Iowa State. Yeah, but I mean just from a all sports aspect, right. not even just football. Outside of OU and Texas, Oklahoma For State's sure. your money maker. Well, and that's and that's the thing, but you look at it across and the board. If if I I don't think I don't know if Boise and Cincinnati would be enough to keep the Big 12 nationally relevant. So if you're the Big 12, now obviously you want you, those are two solid teams to bring in. Oh, absolutely. But they don't replace the caliber of OU and Texas. No, and definitely. I don't know if you could. Um, but if you're the Big 12, you're looking at it and you're thinking, all right, what Big 10 team is unhappy? What Pac 12 team is unhappy? What SEC team is unhappy? Because I guarantee that Missouri would, would I think, given the chance, uh, now, obviously, financially, they're making more money, but I think if Missouri had the chance, they'd be like, yeah, you know, maybe moving to the SEC was a mistake. Um, yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, like, you're talking about, like, just talent of no, for sure. football. For like, sure, but I, I just mean, like, if you're if you're going to try to expand the Big 12 to try to keep it alive, obviously you're going to try to have to keep Oklahoma State. You're going to try to keep Iowa State. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not in football, but you're going you're gonna to have to try to keep Kansas because they bring in a lot of money in, in, in basketball. basketball. Yeah. Um, Baylor, you know, they, they're obviously in, in multiple uh, sports really solid. Same with Texas Tech. Yeah. But but just going out and, and bringing in, say, a Boise and a Cincinnati, I don't think that would be enough to I keep think, the Big 12 relevant. I think I'm looking at the Power 5 conferences right now. If you're talking about the Big 10, I think maybe, and obviously this is all hypothetical. Sure. Right? But if you're the Big 12 and you're trying to bring in teams to stay relevant, I think maybe Indiana mm -hmm. could be a possible like, hey, Iowa, Iowa haven't done Big twelve. Oh, absolutely, Iowa does. You think in Indiana, Iowa? I'm just going down the list Nebraska. here. Nebraska, but then again, they would just look goofy for that. Um, they already look goofy. I mean, <laughs> Purdue. Yeah, I mean, like maybe it's just like there's a couple teams that are in like the middle of the Big Twelve because you're obviously you're not going to go try to get Rutgers. No, right? You're not. I don't think Maryland would be well, and I think regionally Illinois. I don't think you would right. Want, I, Illinois, actually, I mean, possibly maybe. they've had like a couple good like stretches of right. games here and there, but I don't think that like as far as like a, well, just a talent national, wise, they'd replace Texas. Uh, sheesh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Put us um, on similar records. Yeah, but, if, I, but if I'm Oklahoma State, you know, and, and let's just say. Let's just say they, if if hypothetically OU and Texas leaves and Oklahoma State's looking at it and they're thinking like, you know what, I don't I don't know if we want to try to carry the conference. I, I don't know if whoever they could bring in would be enough. Um, so let's look about leaving, right? You're I saying think, if Oklahoma State was doing this, correct? Yes. I Pac-12, I don't think would make sense because you'd be playing a lot of late, 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 late. I games. think the best answer would be the Big Ten, ACC. But the 
Just think about the travel. Now, obviously, well, any same. of these, any of these things is going to be big travel. Well, yeah, you look at the big team. But, you're going up to Michigan. You're right. going out to. You're going out to Pennsylvania. You're going to. I know, but just the ACC. And, but but also, you're thinking about. I'm, I'm thinking talent level. Yeah, but but the ACC is worse than the Pac-12. Yeah, but you look there, at it's Clemson. And then there's a big got, gap. I know, but you and got then there's Florida Miami State. and North Carolina, and then there's a big gap, and then there's everyone else. You got Miami, you got Florida State. You have the brands, but you don't necessarily have the talent. No, but it comes around, and and you look at the Pac-12. I, I'm just saying, like if you if you had to pick between the two, you would pick the ACC because the talent level is between obviously, them and the Pac-12. The matchups would be solid, but you also have to look at Big Ten wise. There is the academic standpoint. Yeah. You have to be. Uh, I can't exactly remember what it is. Um, and I probably should have looked it up before I started talking about it. Um, but you have to be academically, you have, you have to be some a part of some academic um, qualification or something. Yeah, there's some kind of club. Look it up. Nebraska, I think, ironically enough, I think uh, Nebraska had theirs rescinded a few years back. So I don't even think they qualify anymore, but they're just grandfathered in, I guess. Um, it says to be eligible for the academic. Oh, that's all Big Ten. Oops. But there, you so academically there is some kind of requirement uh, in order to uh, to join the Big Ten. So I mean that's that's a hurdle that Oklahoma State has to, to try to look at. And I'm not saying that Oklahoma State's not a good academic uh, academic school because it is. Oh yeah, there's a lot of really you know a lot of really smart people. It's a, it's a highly ranked university. Um, but when it comes to the Big Ten, that's something that you have to consider because when you look at Michigan, while they've been rather subpar on the football field academically, Michigan is a Fantastic oh, education. So it's it's something that and, and here's the thing, I don't I don't know if I see OU and Texas leaving. I, I think that financially it would make a lot of sense for both programs. Um, OU is you know they they would play the top talent week in and week out. Um, and and if you're you know if you're the Big Twelve, if this happens, you look at the SEC now. There you you've got some schools that are are the dregs. You know mm-hmm. the middle of the middle of the road uh, in the in the SEC, and do you reach out to those programs and say, "Hey, listen, you know, you you, you get your butt whooped every single week. Um, why don't you come over here? Let us whoop your butt a little bit." Yeah. You know? So it's interesting. Yeah, it's the next. Um, I think the next se- the next couple of weeks are are are, are going to be very interesting when it comes to this because um, I, I think it'd be different if it this talk came in June. You know, if 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 the if a report comes out the end of May and June, hell, even the first week of July, then I think you could you could you know, well, it's the dog days of summer and there's not much going on, um, but we're less than uh, less than two weeks from the start of fall camp and all of a sudden, know you in Texas, hey, we're we've reached out to the big tw- the the SEC, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out for sure. See, I'm looking here requirements. Yeah, what you find out? It's a certain accreditation. 10. Yeah, so it says, okay, so there are many teams being th- – now, this is a decade ago, another time talking about realignment and everything. So this is where this, this article came from. It says, okay, so there are many teams being thrown around that I thought would clear some things up. Two of the necessary requirements to join the Big Ten are be a member of the AAU, which is the Association of American Universities. Yeah, that's it. And be in a state that borders a current Big Ten member. Well, that's two right there that out the window. Well, I mean, if no, I no, obviously this was a decade ago. If you were to try and have a team like Oklahoma State join the Big Ten, I think I think they could the wave the state border. Might be like all right, yeah, they could wave that one close enough. You're fine. Like, but the academic accreditation. No, I don't know. I don't hurdle. know. I'll look up in a second here. What is a requirement to get that accreditation? Because it just says you have to have that. It's, so it's, it says, it's based on it's it's based on you've got like enrollment and you have like an overall cumulative GPA and certain programs that go into right. that. So, so let's see here. Academic of Association or sheesh, can't talk. Association of American Universities. Um, there's only 66. 60, 64 schools and two in Canada. I mean that's. Decent amount of schools. Uh, leading, so um, I've got the I have the website pulled up. The American Associ- uh, the Association of uh, American Universities. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can't try to figure out what it is. Right. Yes. 
So it's an invitation only thing. Correct. Right. So and requires an affirmative vote of three quarters of current members. So I'm trying to see here what's okay. The association ranks its members using four criteria research spending. The percentage of faculty who are members of the National Academies, faculty awards, and citations. Oh, wait. So it's research spending, the percentage of faculty who are members of the National Academies, faculty awards, and citations. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of the members can vote to revoke membership for poor rankings. As of 2010 annual dues, so obviously a decade later, dues are $80,000. So... We are not on that list, right? Uh, that is correct. But schools that are, that I feel like we are in semi-comparison of, or at least could be, are Harvard. No, I'm kidding. Not Harvard. Um, Iowa State is on there, mm-hmm. right? Um, let's see. Kansas is on there. Texas A&M. No, I know they've got great academics, oh, but... Yeah. University of Arizona, Colorado, Buffalo, um, all the University of California schools, University of Florida, Utah, Iowa, <laughs> Maryland, and I, I, act, I know they have good schools. And I but, act like I I understand any of this, but but the, yeah, <laughs> but the fact the the fact still remains. You know, it's it it there is a couple of hurdles when when Definitely. we're talking when we're talking conference Definitely. expansion and trying to bring some stuff in. So. It'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma State handles it if if it all happens. We're, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. We're we're Again, a ways this off. Is all, yeah, this is all like, of course. I mean, with the way that society and media works, we see one thing and run with it seventeen different my directions. Mo- my mom called me while we were really? doing we were we were doing our radio show, uh, the afternoon sports drive on Triple Play Sports Radio, and my mom called me in the middle of the show. She said, "Hey, there's a bunch of people in the business school who say OU in Texas they're leaving." What do you know about this? Is this rumor? Is speculation? Is it is it true? And I said, well, right now it's all rumor, you know. But yeah. Well, it it's all yet to be seen. But it's this is a big thing, man. It's this has wrinkled a lot of feathers. It's it's stirred up a lot of pots. Um, and I don't I don't think we're going to see an end to this anytime soon. So I'll be I'll be curious to see how it all plays out. Um, certainly has a lot of ramifications. And and I guarantee you, these these Big Twelve schools are certainly going to do everything they can, so, if it's true, to try to keep it from happening. Just And then we can move on to other things here in a little while. We do have other stuff to talk about. Yes. yes. So just one thing that I want to get your input on. Yeah. Um, and like then it. I'll read off a couple questions because all of our mailbag questions were had to do with this. Mm-hmm. Right? So or it wasn't even really questions. It was just people asking us to talk about this. Let's talk about it. So one of the things on here says, someone commented, Keaton It Real says the amount of Texas students that would – be lost by OK State for joining the Big Ten would be unreal, right? And so at first I was confused on what he was like, like the reasoning behind. I said, and I was kind of joking with him. I said, I'm not sure you noticed, but the school would still remain in Oklahoma. Yeah, the, move, um, the school doesn't. Move. I said, I don't think they would lose many students. That was from my Texas, first thought, right? And I was kind of joking with him, but he said, yes, but with kids wanting to see their school play their state's schools, it's kind of hard to bargain. So I said, okay, so does that mean less Texas kids are going to go? So that means basically, because there's a lot of kids from Texas that go mm-hmm. to Oklahoma State, right? right? I'm one of them, right? right? You it's, are? Like, it's something like, yeah, you know. Oh, wow. I think it's like 48% of, That's a lot. of Oklahoma State's student body is like Texas That's kids, right? So with a vast majority of being DFW kids. But anyways, I said, okay, so does that mean less Texas kids are going to go to Texas or OU now because they would be playing less schools from the state of Texas. This is hypothetically if they yeah. join the SEC. I, I don't know, man. I, I think that's an interesting point because when you talk to when you talk to football players mm-hmm. um, and even basketball, like when you talk to these athletes um, on, uh, say, Texas week, or and it's only Texas. Yeah. It, it doesn't have anything to do, like when, when OSU plays Texas Tech or when they play Baylor, mm-hmm. or they play TCU, the question never comes up. Hey, how excited are you yeah. to play your hometown team? It's all it's only Texas. Yeah. Um and and honestly, there are very few and far between that say, yeah, this is the one game I have circled. Yeah, I mean, now some like, of them are like, we were disrespected. We didn't get an offer. We right. weren't, we weren't pursued. But but I don't I don't think not playing Texas is going to be a reason that Oklahoma State so drops off the map. I'm going to I'm going to say this, and I'll read the rest of this thread to you because he does make a good point at the very end. Um, 
Texas, and this is, I'm going to make this statement based off of my own personal opinions, as well as other opinions and statements I have heard from mainly recruits. Mm -hmm. Texas thinks they are so much more than they are. The university, I'm not saying the state, the, the University right. of Texas, especially regarding well, football. State. Well, but the I'm state just, of Texas I'm, is pretty I'm, cool. Though. I'm just kidding. So the, the, the football program at the University of Texas, Austin, thinks that they are Alabama when they are... Haven't been for a while. Well, they think they're on Alabama's pedestal of national prominence. Does everyone know Texas? Absolutely. Everyone also knows UCLA. Is UCLA good at football? Not particularly. Everyone knows Florida State. Is Florida State good at football? Not particularly. There are times that yeah. they have been and will be, right? But right now, Texas is not that desirable, right? They're a, I mean, a, not in football. a middle to upper Big 12 team, right? I mean, they're fitting right in there with TCU, who is another Texas team, right? Yeah. And it lives closer to most of these guys because a lot of these guys that are going to OU and Oklahoma State from Texas are like DFW guys. Four, right? Roughly four hours. Yeah, four hours. Austin is what, like eight, seven, something like that? They're pretty far down there. Give or take six-ish. Okay, so, yeah, I drove there once. I just can't remember what it was. But anyways, yeah, like you said, the, not a whole lot of people, yeah, they're excited to play Texas because it's a big game, but normally not because it's Texas, but because, like, they're a ranked team. Normally we're a ranked team, and it's just a big game, and normally you play them at a big part of the season. It was less than three. Less than from two, uh, two, from Dallas to Austin is no. Two I'm hours saying from here minutes. to Austin. Oh, from here to Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven hours. Yeah. So I'm saying like I thought you meant from Dallas to Austin. I was like, no, no, like no, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying it's about six, seven. I'm hours. saying like recruits that would go from DFW to here four hours. Yeah, versus Austin Roughly to here. Three. Depending from versus on, Austin to here. Depending Most on of the guys we're gonna traffic. have from Texas are gonna be DFW guys. Correct. So they're only four hours from home. So you would think by just location logic that they would be more excited to play maybe a TCU right. than a Texas because oh they only grew up 45 minutes or an hour away from a team like TCU compared to Austin which is several well, hours and take a look at these kids now you know we're talking 16 17 18 year old yeah. kids who have really no recollection of Texas being relevant exactly. when, when were you born 2001 when so did, I was four. When did, when was did Texas four. win a national championship? 2005. I was four. Okay. Do you remember much about it? No. Okay. There you go. I digress. The first time I, like, vividly, not, I want to say vividly, the first time I actually remember in detail hearing about, like, Vince Young in Texas, that Rose Bowl mm -hmm. and everything, was probably, and now, again, for all of you, I grew up in New Orleans, so Texas wasn't being talked about right. much, but I moved to Texas in eighth grade, I would say probably the first time, and this is just based off of, like, the video games and everything, I was probably 10 or 12 mm -hmm. the first time I, like, heard the name Vince Young or whatever. Or, so that'd be 2010, 2011. Yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, like, 9, 10, 11, something like that, playing, like, NCAA mm -hmm. 10 or something. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah, Texas was a big brand, but they weren't necessarily a big like money making football team. That's no, okay, I want to say money, money. They make money. They have not won any trophies successful. recently. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah the whole the whole thing like you were saying that people it's like it, okay it's it's another game it's Texas no yeah. one's getting overly like is OU absolutely it's Red River right is so is SMU. Yeah, because they're the underdog in that situation, and they want to go beat the big dogs. So let's let's take a look at you know because I think it, I think it would matter, right? If you if you're if you're just a student, just a regular old mm -hmm. student or an athlete or whatever, and and you're not getting to play TCU or Baylor, mm -hmm. which is just down the road from Dallas. Um, it's a lot further out there, but Texas Tech. Um, I I think that would make a difference. But it, but it, let's let's look at let's say if Oklahoma State moves, who would they be playing? Michigan, yeah, Ohio State, yeah, Penn State. Yeah, I mean, there's, right. there's definitely it's a give and take thing. Absolutely, or, uh, you're gonna have to if you moved it'd be like, okay, which one's the lesser of two evils? And it's like, okay, what counts as evils? Fans traveling to games, that's gonna be a little bit of an evil, yeah, right, because it's gonna be farther away. 
Um, but then it's like, okay, in terms of recruiting, it's going to go up. It'll, yeah, I think it gets better. I put out a tweet earlier. I was like, saw that. if you're, if you're someone that wants to play and I, I'm not going to say who I texted, but I texted one of our commits earlier and said, what would you think of Oklahoma state moving conferences? And they said, I think it would be, what do you say? Um, let me just read this. I don't want to mess up any words. Um, he said, I think it would be a pretty cool challenge, or I think it would be pretty cool and a challenge, right? And I said, which conference do you think would be the most fun outside of the Big 12? He said, hmm, probably the Big 10, right? The Big 10 just has that respect factor yeah. of, like, yeah, good football is played in the Big 10 yeah. for the most part. Then you have, like, Rutgers and stuff. But anyways, um, that's besides the point. Yikes. But, I mean, you talk about on a, on a week-to-week, Week basis, you're playing stud teams. You're playing Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, right? Some people, like just like the SEC has an infatuation with some people, like, yeah, I want to go play in the SEC. Well, some people want to play in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. right? They're like, yeah, I want to go play in a Big Ten defense. Like can- or I want to like, go be a Big Ten running back. Kansas like, to the east and everything north. Yeah, pretty much. is like that's Big Ten country. Those yeah. kids want to play Big Ten. Well, Maybe you have a kid that wants to go play in the Big Ten but wants to get away from home. He doesn't want to – Doesn't want to live in Indiana anymore. Yeah, exactly. He wants to go – wants to live maybe, in these cornfields. Or maybe you have a kid that still lives in the Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Louisiana region, whatever it may be where we recruit a lot from, that wants to go play in the Big Ten and play against those teams but – doesn't really feel like living in the zero-degree weather for a quarter of the year. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, the one and only Tom Dorado, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we'll see you, Tom. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's all it's all speculative, you know. Yeah, I mean, but, and, and this stuff is, like, fun to talk about, but then again, you kind of have to take Well, yeah, because, you're because you got hurdles, you know. You got to figure yeah. out the accreditation. You got to figure out the, the distance and whether it's even going to happen and this and that. But it's a fun topic. It, it certainly is, and, and this certainly isn't going to be the last we talk about it because, well, I think we're in for a uh, – I think, I think we're in for it. I think we're going to be talking a lot about it. Um, let's stick with football. Um, we're now in, officially into watch list season. Um, I don't think they matter that much, uh, to be honest, because not really. Well, because you don't need to be on the watch list to win the awards. Um, yeah, you don't have to be. Yeah, yeah. So like a quarterback, I think they only listed I want to say thirty quarterbacks for the Davy O'Brien preseason award. Uh, yeah. So Spencer Sanders won a thirty. You could have a you know the Buffalo quarterback blow up and in theory could win it. Um, it's not gonna happen. Was he not on the list? I have no idea. <laughs> I, uh, the 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 God God's gift of football Leipold is no longer in Buffalo, so I doubt that that yeah, the, who PFF I, ranked as the ninth best head coach yeah, in college football. Yeah, right. And then do you know what his record was at Buffalo? No, like barely five hundred. Yeah, well, what was, it was like thirty four and thirty. Well, that whole PFF list was like it was a joke. From one to four, it was like okay, and then from then on, it was like what what the hell am I reading? Yeah, it was a joke. Well, yeah, I, yeah I, for another day. I digress. Um, Spencer uh, Spencer Sanders named to the Davy O'Brien watch list. That's for the the top quarterback in the country. Um, prior to that, you had Colby Harvell Peel and Malcolm Rodriguez named to the Bednarik Award. That's the Defensive Player of the Year. And then just today, uh, LD Brown named to the Doak Walker Award watch list. Um, I, I like the fact that they're getting recognition. I will say I, I don't argue with any four of those picks, but I will say there was a glaring omission on the Bed Narek Award. And there's gonna be there there will be so many glaring omissions moving out over the next month or so. And it's one guy. Trey Sterling. Trey Sterling. Are you telling you're telling me the one of the best safeties in the Big Twelve? I I love Colby. But if I had to choose between the two, I would probably pick Trey. And that's not a yeah. not and that's not a knock on Colby. No, it's just a I like Colby. I think he's really good. Towards, yeah, I mean I think he's going to have a good season, but but the snubs. It's and, so and the be- weird. Well, the beautiful thing about it is Trey Sterling absolutely uses it as fuel. Oh, absolutely. I mean, definitely. You see him on social media just going like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Like, well, that's weird. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, I kind of sit there and I'm like, how how does that happen? Like, how does a upper echelon power five was this his third year starting? Mm-hmm. How does an upper echelon team or like a, like a team like Oklahoma State have a guy 
like Trey Sterling that's going to his third year of starting and his, in his third year, I mean, you could argue is our best defensive player. Yeah. Right? Just from a pure you talent could, you could and argue. potential standpoint. You know, there's other guys, uh, Malcolm, whether it be Colby, Trace. Malcolm, Trace, right? There's other guys on that list you could put there and argue for. Well, let's okay. But, so let's look at this. He he comes out. He's an honorable mention All Big Twelve last year, which I think was a bit of was a, joke. a bit of a snub. Bit, bit of a bit of a joke. He finished ranked first in the Big Twelve and number twelve in F, in all of FBS and fumble recoveries. His five point one solo tackles per game ranked second in the Big Twelve. Uh, he led the team with twelve tackles for a loss. That's almost four more than any other player. He recorded 74 tackles as a safety. In how many games? What did we play? 10? 10 games. Yeah. Ten, that, and 74 tackles for a safety is like a good number if you're playing like a full 12 season and a bowl game. 51 solo stops on the season. To put that into perspective, which is yeah. 52 solo stops led the Big 12 in linebackers. That's Malcolm Rodriguez. And his 52 solo stops was good for seventh in the FBS. And Trey Sterling had 51. You're telling me that Trey Sterling is so not... So basically, he was 8th in FBS. In tied the, for 8th. You're telling me that that's not good enough for a preseason watch list? Yeah, do these do, do these people look at Oklahoma State and just assume, well, you only have one good safety? Like, I, I, I can... Well, that's the, th- that's the crazy thing. Is like, And again, I'm looking on PFF right now, and sometimes PFF pisses me off. Well, it's right? all, they, they it's all some, analytical. Yeah, but sometimes their analytics like go against each other, and it's very that's confusing sometimes, yeah. right? So, Trey Sterling and Colby were both ranked as top 11 yeah. safeties. Yeah. Or maybe top 10. I think maybe one was 6 and 10. And they had Trey Sterling... It was either Sterling, 6 and 10 or 6 and 11. And they had Trey Sterling the 50th ranked overall college football player in yes. this year. Yes. And you're saying out of 50 overall, let's go... I'm, I'm looking at that article right now. Out of 50 overall, let's see how many... Let's see, what does it count as... What does it put for safety? All right, so let's see. Just capital S, right? So... We're there weren't this. many safeties. We're I'm going to say we're it was less. Than, this manually. I'm going to say it was less than ten. All right, so out I of fifty, oh, absolutely, it's right here. All right, one. We're still looking for two. We're at twenty. Still looking for two. All right, we got two. We're looking for a third. We're still looking for him at forty four. Thor. So he's he, the fourth he is, one. He is one of four safeties listed. And you're telling me that he is, by this list, the fourth best safety in college football. And I think the only one in the Big 12 on this list? Safety? Uh, or was there another safety on this there, list? I think there was. Yeah, because you've got. There uh, was uh, Hamilton from Notre Dame. I want to say Penn there State, was. Penn State, Jaquan say, Brisker. I there was one more. Who was maybe a TCU guy? I thought it was. No, State. Northwestern. It's all. It was all Big oh, Ten. Oh, so I was I was I think there's a uh, I two, think there's a corner. It was two Big Ten, probably TCU's corner. corner. Yeah. There was two Big Ten safeties and a uh, Notre Dame safety, so an independent, and then Trey Sterling. So you're saying by this list, he's the number one safety yeah. in the Big Twelve. Yeah. On now again on this Anal- site, analytically, analytically, he's the number one safety in the Big Twelve. But yet he's not. A but top yet he's player. not a top defensive player in the country Which, or on any like pre. He was not preseason first team or second team. Nope. Big 12. Nope. And what's beautiful about I will say, the the beautiful vindication for Tracer. One, he's going to use it for fuel. Absolutely. He's, he, this this will drive him. But two, the as big of a snub as all of it is, the good thing is he can still come back. And I, I guarantee when they, when they make that first cut, when they say, all right, these players are quarterfinalists mm-hmm. or whatever that number is, Trey Sterling will be on that list. I, I, I would, I would guarantee, and I would find I would it hard. That, I would think that both of them are going to be. I would, well, I just meant like he'll be added onto it. Yeah, I, and I would find it hard to think that Trey is not going to make a few. So cuts. the twenty twenty, this is last season. Yeah, Trey Sterling ended as the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. He ended as the tenth best safety. In college football, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys left to go to the NFL. Out of the, out of the t- guys that are in front of him, right? He was number two in the Big 12 
And then this upcoming season, they're saying he's number one I, I think, in the Big 12. I think if we look at Oklahoma State and we look at all the guys that are on the team, you know, we I you weren't in the car, but driving down to Texas, um, Robert picked his, you know, dark horse, right. you know, buy low, sell high guy. Um, of, of all those kind of guys, and I understand that Trey Sterling is going into his third year. Mm-hmm. I, I If we're looking at players that are going to make the biggest impact that could be the biggest stage – I think Trey Sterling is going to be top that list. I I think this year, Trey Sterling could be. He has the potential of being one of the higher drafted players from Oklahoma State in the last four or five years, and that's yeah, I mean, and that's with with Washington at being a second rounder. James yeah, Washington. and and Tevin and Tevin, of course. After, right, and, so, Tevin, and Tevin. Um, I forgot about this draft. Should have been Tyler. But anyways, uh, anyways, so, I mean, we're just looking here. This is what makes him so valuable, right? Because you have, okay, Colby, better in the pass game than he yeah. is the run game, right? Yeah. He's that ball hawk guy. Yeah. He's going to finish with four or five interceptions, right? Last year, a little bit different. Shortened season, he was hurt a little bit. But in a normal setting, just like his sophomore year, he finished, I think, with five. Yeah. Right? And, like, 13 pass deflections. Insane. Yeah, very, very good season. Listen at where Trey Sterling lines up by position, right? By or These are on the at – the, at the pre-snap alignment, this is where he was lined up, right? He was – the most he was in was the box. So, box safety, right? His normal position, 312 snaps. He also played slot corner – for 156, he played free safety for 100. He played defensive line for 51, right? He was on kick coverage, kick return. He also played wide corner, so the boundary corner, for 10 snaps. So uh, not much, but the fact that he was doing it, right? And it shows, I'm looking at a picture, obviously we're on a podcast here, so I can't show you a picture. Show him the picture, Marshall. I'm looking at a thing here that goes by week, how much he was playing run versus pass. And it is balanced almost every single week, right? You have, I mean, it, it was, it's ridiculous how versatile he is. And he can crash down on the run, but he can also cover anything across the middle. So, yeah, when you talk about someone that will be the backbone of a defense or the backbone of a team. Trey Sterling. Trey Sterling is that for Oklahoma State. Now, yes, Malcolm, is he going to be basically the same, like, effect? Yeah, I think so. I think Malcolm is the same way. I think Malcolm's going to be have a hell of a year. But I think Trey's production will allow Malcolm to do what he can do, and that's just go hunt. Just go chase him down. Like, Cole, Trey will man the middle in pass coverage and let Malcolm just go smoke someone at the line, right? That's what he's for. I mean, Malcolm said he's 235 pounds now. He's going to go rock somebody. So whether it's blowing up a gap, tackling a runner, chasing, chasing the quarterback, chipping on the friggin' following around a tight end, whoever it is, whatever it is, Trey is going to be the reason why they did it. His first year, he had a 63.4 grade. Second year, 78.1. Last year, 82.1. Just wait. Yeah, you're, just you, wait. I think you'll see somewhere like an 88 to 90 grade, which in PFF is mean you are among the best of the best. And, yeah, and he absolutely will be. I, I can't wait. That's that's something that I'm I'm most looking forward to is is this defense. And I've said it a few times. There, there, there haven't been many years where I've been really, really excited to watch an Oklahoma State defense play more than I'm excited to watch an OSU offense play. And I'm I'm pretty excited to watch the offense. I, I'm excited to see what Spencer Sanders can do. You know, talking to him at Big Twelve Media Days, um, you know, he's worked on his, his pre-snap reads. He's worked on his footwork. Um, Gundy said that you know these, these these last two months have been two of the best months he's had um, at Oklahoma State. Tim Rattay has done wonders for Spencer Sanders. First full spring, first full offseason with Tim Rattay. I think I think Spencer is going to be greatly improved. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to see about this offensive line. I'm excited to see Danny Godlewski and, and just how impactful he can be. I'm excited to see what receiver steps up and fills that Tylen Wallace role. But damn it, if I'm not just drooling to watch this defense play. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I'll go back to the offense a little bit with 
Spencer and I. I don't know if you saw. I got into like a, not an argument, but not an argument. Twitter. It was an argument. Okay, fine. I got into an argument. It was an argument. Now me and him are cool. We do that. Like his name's Davis. We're cool, right? I don't know him personally, but we kind of go back at each other sometimes. We throw our opinions at each friendly other. Friendly discourse. Yeah, yeah. Friendly. Yeah, exactly. So if you're listening to this, we're cool. Gotta love a little uh, discourse. So now he is not the biggest Spencer supporter, right? He thinks that Shane should be the guy. Now, if you have that opinion. Like that's he's, he's not alone. That's your opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there, there are there others. are reasons that people will think that. Sure. Right. But you also have to look at the fact that has Spencer been the best the, his first two years playing? No, he's had some turnover issues. He's had some decision making issues. Right. He's been injured. He's been, he's been injured a few times. Right. The one thing I will say is like if you are trying to find a reason to have a little bit of hope for Spencer. My best answer I can give you, and I and I believe in him based on this, basically this alone. This is the first time since he has been here that he has had a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator back to back years. The same, like same people, right? Yeah. When he first got here, well, one he was recruited by someone different that coached him, and then you had Gleason. Come yeah, in. You, yeah, you had Mike Yurcich brought him in, uh-huh. and then Gleason took over, yep. and then Casey done last year. Yep. So this will be the first year he's and had the same offensive coordinator. He, yeah, and you had – because at first you had your offensive coordinator was your QB coach, Yeah. right? Well, then you had a different offensive coordinator who was also your QB coach, and then you have a different offensive coordinator, but he's not your QB coach anymore, so they bring in a guy specifically for that. I think it's so smart, too. And, oh, I do too because I mean, one, it, it allows your offense coordinator to focus on other people. Yeah, well, to, same, to focus on the offense as and a whole. Same with the quarterback coach; he's not focused yeah, on the yeah, entire exactly. offense. Exactly. Yeah. So, and Spencer was kind, of, and this part was kind of crazy to me. And this is what this is kind of the reasoning of why, like, okay, let's give some hope here, give some optimism. He said that when Tim Rattay, he said the first year he was here, he learned one thing of new footwork. Mm-hmm. Then with Gleason, he learned another set of new footwork. Then Rattay got here, and he said that he fixed his footwork, and he changed up the footwork there and the arm release, the timing, all that stuff. Well, he's actually been with Rattay for technically two years now. This will be his second season with him for the first time ever that he'll have that and the first time ever that he'll have the same offensive coordinator. So there is stable stabilization. It's the same offense. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's being asked to do. He knows why he's being asked to do it. Because he talked about that too at Big Twelve Media Day, he said that he'll look at. He said he and Dunn have a great relationship. He said he'll look at him and kind of like, all right, why do you want to do this? Like, I understand what you want to do, yeah. but like, why? What are you trying to achieve with this play call or this scheme or whatever? And he said so he's actually starting to understand what the offensive coordinator is doing. And as we know, whether you're a college football fan, NFL football fan. European football fan. I don't care what you are. When the quarterback is on the same page as the offensive coordinator, that's huge. It, it starts to mesh together and click. So I think that that'll be a big thing for him. And the fact that there is actually some like similarities to past season to last season to this season with the coaching staff will be big for I think the entire team because you're not just talking about Spencer that had to learn new stuff. You're talking about offensive coordinators switching every year. You're talking about every position. Yeah. So I think it'll be big for him. Well, and I, I think it's huge because you look at Casey Dunn, and Casey Dunn is a, is a hell of an offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Um, very knowledgeable, uh, really aggressive. And and I know what you're thinking. Well, Zach, he wasn't aggressive last year. Well, okay. Well, when you go from being a receiver coach to all of a sudden running an offense, and then your offensive line gets absolutely decimated in game one. You lose your starting quarterback on the first drive of the game, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, as well as two of your offensive linemen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then you're and then you're having to rotate the offensive line throughout the whole season. Yeah, and, and then and then your starting running back gets injured, and he's hurt most of the year in Chuba. Um, so I mean, so many variables. Basically, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Went wrong at some point in the season. So. So many variables went into last year. You have you have a an offensive line that you know. God forbid. Let's let's knock on wood. They stay healthy, but you re, you, re, you return Josh Sills. You bring in a a, a center in Danny Godlewski that NFL scouts compare to Jeff Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Hunter Woodard who who might be 
one of the most underrated offensive linemen in the Big 12. I, I think Hunter Woodard is going to be an absolute nightmare to handle there at right guard. Um, Caleb Etienne, you know, yep, what's that's six, who I'm most excited six, about. 6'7, seven, 6'8, six, you know, 350, 360. Kid's a nightmare. Um, I don't know who's going to be at right tackle. Um, but you've got Hunter you know, Anthony you've got, probably. You got Hunter Anthony. You got Jake Springfield, who got a lot of snaps at, at right tackle last year. Um, so I mean, you have you have bodies. You have guys that can play. So you you have an offensive line. And, and I don't know if you were behind us when we were interviewing Spencer on our on our radio show. Um, I brought up Danny Godlewski mm-hmm. and and Spencer. I brought him up. I brought him up during the breakout too. And Spencer, you know, he kind of sets forward a little bit, you know, and 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 he, he kind of he's holding he's he's chewing on a peppermint. <laughs> You know, and the mic's kind of flopping around. And, and I mentioned Danny Godlewski, and he kind of perks up, kind of drops his shoulder, you know, throws his shoulders back and sets up a little bit, and his face lights up. And and it's so funny because he's like, yeah, Danny, uh, you know, he don't take – almost said a bad word. Uh, crap. He don't take crap from nobody. Um, he's a dog. He's got that dog in him. Um, so when you, when you have an offensive line – that let's you know that, that's experienced and ready to go, and you got a defense that that can help get you the ball back after a turnover or or a, or a mistake or whatever, and you have at least three running backs, probably four that are more than capable of carrying the load. Um, you don't know who the Tylen Wallace is going to be, but you've got a, a really you've got a bunch solid, of dudes that can do it. You got a solid group of receivers. In theory, twenty twenty one should be a hell of a lot smoother for Casey Dunn. And should allow Casey Dunn to be what he yeah. wants to be compared to 2020. I think I may have told you this before. I know I've told some of my friends and like my dad, and I, th- I may have talked about it with you and Robert before. Maybe not. I think that this upcoming season has the chance to be what last season was supposed to be, right? Every and I think that they are more not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. Because last year, what was everyone talking about going into the season? Everyone was talking about the three-headed monster, mm-hmm. supposedly, supposed to be the monster, right. of Spencer, Truba, and Tylen, right? And it's like, okay, well, the defense is strong, but that offense, though, you have Tylen catching the ball, you've got Dylan Stoner, yeah. you've got all this stuff. The offensive line was supposed to be good, and then you basically lose six starters within two months, right? How's so. That? Everything went downhill. Everyone was talking about, oh, Big 12 championship or bust year, right? Well, then all that stuff happens. Everything falls apart. This season, I think there's more of a chance that that is what happens than last year. And we've, we just talked about the physical part of it, but the mental part of it is that not every – the public, the national media is not saying that anymore about them. Mm-hmm. So they don't have all of the eyes on them. So in a sense, they can kind of not work in the shadows, but they can – they will creep up on people quicker than than others think. Yeah, I mentioned this on the show today. Um, you know, they're, they're picked preseason fourth by the Big 12 media. Um, Super Sportsbook, I think is what they're called. Uh, they have Oklahoma State fifth. In, yeah. With with odds to win the Big Twelve, whether whether you believe it or not, Mike Gundy would love every single season to be picked fourth or fifth. Yeah, because you fly, you, especially you look at this year, how much talent you bring back on the offense, how much talent you bring back on the defense, fly under the radar. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say, I don't. I, OU is going to be tough. OU, OU is going to be really yeah, good. They are. Iowa State's going to be really good. But I, I I'll agree with your sentiment in the fact that. The, the expectations this year should have been what they were last year. Iowa State is this year what Oklahoma State was last year with like, oh, they really have all of the pieces. They've got Brock Purdy. They've got Brees Hall. They've got mm-hmm. Charlie Kolar. They've got that defense, yeah. though. It would not surprise me at all if Iowa State goes out there and loses four games. Like, I don't I – don't, to me, is Iowa, I would think Iowa State's a hell of a team. Yeah. I think they have great players. But I just do not see them doing what they did last year. There's always in the Big 12, there's always, it's going to be OU, and there's going to be Texas and Oklahoma State kind of hovering around that 2-3 spot. And then there's going to be a team that's normally at the 4-5 spot that's going to slingshot themselves to 1 or 2 that year. Sometimes it's Baylor. Sometimes it's Iowa State. Sometimes Kansas State tries to get a little freaky in there and goes and beats OU, right? So... There's always going to be that one team. Oklahoma State has solidified themselves as from sitting anywhere from two to four, any given year. Texas pretty much the same way, and then 
there's just a couple school TCU sometimes plays around a little bit and tries mm-hmm. to go win in same with same with Baylor yeah not this it, year it's basically but. Baylor Iowa State and TCU that are gonna flirt with every year one of those teams is pretty it's gonna it's gonna solidified upset some, to yeah. flirt with that two three four spot when they normally would be maybe like four five six yeah. right so. I think that last year was their year to flirt with it. I don't think that they'll be there again. Now, could there be another team that does that? Sure. Could it be them? Sure. I don't know. But I think OU is rightfully the number one team. And then I kind of think it falls between Oklahoma State and Iowa State State right now as two and three. You could put them either way. And then you have TCU, Texas. And then you have TCU and Texas, yeah. and then that, then after that you have Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas State, Crap Kansas, shoot. all of those teams, right? Crap shoot. So we, I will say the best thing about this year is we know who number one is and we know who number ten is. Yeah. Everything else, I mean, Kansas State should It'll be. It'll fall imp- as it will. Kansas State should be improved. You know, Oklahoma should State be. should be improved. TCU is – you know, I predicting. You know, you hear lots of predictions that TCU could be pretty salty this year. I think Big year. Twelve quarterback play this year is going to be really good. It'll all depend on Max Duggan with how good TCU yeah. can be. I think because I mean, you have you have Rattler, you have yeah. Sanders, you have Skylar Thompson at K State, you've got Brock Purdy at Iowa State. And I you think have that Max Duggan at TCU. I think that Oregon transfer. Tyler Show. I think he'll be pretty solid. I just kicked the table. Um, Ty, yeah, Tyler Show at Texas Tech will be an gonna, interesting Texas one. Texas Tech, yeah, not Baylor. Um. I don't know who Baylor's quarterback is going to be. They've got three. Because um, what's his name left? Yeah, they've got three. What's I, Iowa? Charlie Brewer. I put it up on on Pokes Report. That was my my responsibility was putting up an article. I think on I read it. Team. I just don't think I remember because I read. Well, it was irrelevant. Seventeen different articles. Uh, let's there. see. All right. So Baylor features full blown quarterback battle. Yes. Heading into twenty twenty one, you've got. Let's see, Blake Shapin. Uh, Gary Bohannon and Jacob Zeno, those are the those are the three. So you've got. I have one um, question. Yes. Who? Yeah. Right. Shapin, uh, six foot, hundred ninety two pound redshirt freshman out of Shreveport Evangel. Um, you've got Bohannon is a six three, two hundred twenty one pound junior out of uh, is it Earl or Early, uh, Arkansas. Sure. Um, he's seen action in fifteen games during his Baylor career. He is eighteen to thirty eight. Is like the holder or what? Uh, a quarterback. He's he's played in 15 games. He's 18 of 38 for 194 yards and two touchdowns, and he's rushed for 296 yards and three touchdowns on 48 carries. Excuse me. And then Zeno, six-two sophomore out of John Jay in San Antonio. Um, he actually played against Oklahoma State last year. He was five of eight for 18 yards and 13 yards on four carries. Nice. So who? Yeah. Yeah, that's Baylor. So yeah, it's it, it's going to be a fun year. Uh, I'm 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 very much looking forward to fall camp. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to see what this Oklahoma State team can do. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a fun year. Um, found this out a few hours ago. Um, Oklahoma State is going to play ORU in basketball this year. Nice uh, once again, but they're going to be out on the road playing in Tulsa in the Maybe Center. This will be the first time these two programs have met in the Maybe Center. Um, since December of 1996, and ORU won that one 71-60. Oklahoma State currently riding a three-game win streak over ORU. Uh, that includes the 83-78 win over them this past season. Big, big returner there for uh, ORU, though. Uh, junior guard Max Asmus um, averaged 24.6 points a game this past year, led the nation at 3.8 assists, shot 40, almost 44% from three-point range. 89% with the free throw line. So that's going to be uh, – that'll be huge. That's a big get for them. I really like our non-conference yeah, you've, schedule. Yeah, you've got uh, ORU. That's uh, That'll be played November 26th. Um, that's shortly after the inaugural Basketball Hall of Fame showcase taking place uh, in Massachusetts. That's North Carolina State. And what are the teams in that one? Uh, North Carolina State, UMass, Lowell. Uh, there's another one that – I don't even remember their name. Okay, so it, it's it's, it's yeah, a, yeah. a very very low level, but then you bring in Xavier. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 going to be a big one. Big, big Twelve, uh, Big East battle. Uh, it's December fifth in Stillwater, and then you go to Florida uh, to face yeah. the Gators on January 29th, The Big Twelve SEC, and they've Challenge. always got a good program. Well, and then you've got Eric Pastrana taking over as the assistant yep. coach down in Florida. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because yeah, they scheduled that like right after he left. Like a week. Yeah. <laughs> like a week. So that'll that'll be good. I'm I'm excited about basketball this year. 
Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm interested because you got a guy like Musa Cisse coming in, yeah. uh, Memphis transfer, AAC freshman of the year. You got to take it with a grain of salt. Average a little over six points and six rebounds a game. Um, so that's that. I think he has the potential, has the potential to be pretty solid. But got to figure out what you got there. Um, you got Bryce Thompson coming in from Kansas. I think that that should be really solid. I'm excited to see what I mean, he would, can do. Would we have four transfers that are all like elite level guys? Uh, so you bring in Musa um, Cisse. Bring Musa Cisse from from Memphis, and that's Musa Cisse. Bryce Thompson. Uh, Bryce Thompson from Kansas. Tyreek Smith. You got uh, right? Tyreek Smith from Texas Tech, and then Woody Newton. Yeah. Uh, from from Syracuse. Now I will say, uh, Tom Dorado uh, mentioned this today on the show. Um, yeah, they were all elite levels. Uh, I think Smith uh, and Newton were four stars out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce Thompson, obviously a five-star. He's a top 20 player out of Booker T uh, in the 2020 class. And then Cisse was a top 10 player. I think he was the ten, the number 10 player, uh, five-star uh, out of the 2020 class. Um, but both of those guys need to show improvement. Both of those guys need to, need to have better sophomore seasons than they did freshman seasons. Um, now, Cisse won the the AAC Freshman of the Year award. I, that's big. Um, that's 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 huge. But if you look at how he did it, um, you know, a little over six points and a little over six rebounds a game. Um, I like his size. I like his. I like his. I like that. If you look at it. He's what six eleven, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, it, it, someone had brought it up and and like, nah, I'd, you know, I'd rather have your and a uh, Cisse's thin as a rail and he can't shoot. Well, they're the literally yeah. the exact same size, both 6'10", yeah. 6'11", 220. Um, and, he, and he comes back with, well, Yor was a better shot blocker and was, has 7'2 wingspan. Cisse has a 7'4 wingspan, yeah. and he has a 9'4 standing reach. Um, so the, the, the intangibles are there. He, the, the talent level is there. We just need to see if it can, it can translate. And, and I'm curious to see all these guys. You know, was it did did Cisse struggle at at Memphis because he was just in a bad situation? You know, is is he gonna is he gonna flourish? Yeah. Um. Did did Bryce Thompson struggle? Did did Bryce Thompson struggle uh, at Kansas because it was a, a bad situation? Is he gonna improve? So, um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys can do because you got guys like Avery Anderson coming back. Uh, who's who's fantastic? I, I think he's going to be the. Obviously, you got a, a, a Isaac Likely, who's who's the senior and he's the the heart and soul of this team. But I think Avery Anderson has a chance to be the face of this program. Can Matthew Alexander Moncrief improve as Avery Anderson did from freshman to sophomore year? Can Caleb Boone take that physical leap forward from from sophomore to junior season? Uh, I, I mean, Rondell Walker. Rondell Walker was solid last year. Another guy that we're not gonna. We haven't heard much of because of two reasons, but it's Donovan Williams. Um, I think I think Donovan can I have mean, a really solid he, sophomore he year. He averaged his or senior year. He, year I guess. Yeah, technically, because he tore he played like I don't know four minutes and then yeah. tore his ACL. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at the high school, his senior year of high school, he averaged like thirty. He was very very. So good. he also had a couple like fifty point games. Very so this good. is another guy that can go get a bucket. Like pretty much on command. Well, and I'm I'm curious to see how they look defensively because you you, you bring a guy like uh, Chris Harris back mm-hmm. who was a pretty solid defender before he got hurt again. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, Bryce Williams, we yep. haven't even mentioned him, and so it's it's a good problem to have. Lots of guards, lots of ones, lots of, lots of twos, lots of threes. Where are you going to play him? Um, th- I, th- I think this team has the capability of of doing what they did last year. Being very fast, very athletic, very fast-paced, um, which I think is what is which is so so huge about getting a guy like Musa Cisse is is he has a chance to to play that uh, defender role down low, and I'm curious to see where he fits in with Caleb Boone. You know, is because right now it's obvious uh, Caleb is in a better position right now right. than Cisse. Cisse has to come along. I'm, I'm curious to see how he gels and how he meshes. Um, but does this allow Caleb to play at the four? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, this well, certainly got, allows him to play at the four. What's his name at the five? Um, uh, Bernard Kuma. Bernard Kuma. Now, out of those two options, or those three options technically, between Caleb Boone, Musa Cisse, and Bernard Kuma, Bernard Kuma is probably at the bottom of that list. I would, I would, I would put him third. I will say, though, at the end of the season, he did start to come into his he, own as far as rebounds was concerned. Give, he, he, could, he could give some solid minutes. Yeah, I mean, if sure. you're if 
if Musa Cisse is in foul trouble or maybe he's just gassed one right. game or whatever it may be, or maybe someone at the four, the three or the four gets hurt and Caleb has to go Shift play that position. Down. And you, yeah, and so Bernard Kuma is required. I think in regulate, like I say regulation, not meaning regulation time. Right. In short spurts, I think Bernard Kuma could be a valuable asset agree. in, in agree. several different ways. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. So, um, looking forward to it. Oklahoma State typically releases their full non-conference schedule sometime within the next 30, 35, 40 days, typically before the end of September. So, I would, I would expect... I would expect that non-con schedule sometime in the next month, mm-hmm. um, but I'm I'm excited. I think 21 could be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think with the returning talent and the new guys they're bringing in, I think Mike Boynton's got it. I think he's got it figured out, and I'm I'm excited to see where they're at. I'm excited to see where uh, where Oklahoma State football stands. I think Mike Gundy has a really special team, and easily, well, we need to figure out, you know how it looks on the field and how injuries, you know, how, how they hold up on the field physically. But this this team could be one of the best teams that Mike Gundy has put out there on the field. So a uh, lot to talk about. Like I said, we got uh, the, the start of fall camp coming up in about 10 or so days. Um, we Now that now that the, the, the season is starting to pick back up, we're going to do a better job of uh, bringing these podcasts to you. Um, really excited about it. Um, and I'm going to have Marshall put together a bunch of notes, um, and we'll see if we can't try to release a, an exclusive recruiting podcast sometime in the next three to four days. So uh, that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast for Zach Lancaster uh, and Marshall Levinson. It's been a lot of fun. Looking forward uh, to the season, but we will talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.